Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Pretos. This is episode 168. As always, a gentle reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend about our little podcast, which is heard all over the planet. And for all those that are tuning in in India and Germany, and there are people tuning in, and the Philippines... We're going to make a little bit more of a global show, so not a heavy dose of USMNT. There'll be a little bit. And not a heavy dose of MLS. There's a little bit because I was on the road for that. We're talking the return of Champions League. And we're going to go on some interesting sidebars on Nigerian football and Portuguese football with Zach Lowy, a contributor on many betting sites as well as BBC. We're going to talk about betting and soccer, how it's big. He's also the co-creator of Breaking the Lines. Uh, He's got a wealth of knowledge. I'm very excited to... Lock horns with him and talk about the big stories of the Champions League. So stick around for that. You're going to enjoy that as we have a lot to break down in a tournament that I think is going to be much more open than we have seen in past years. Last year, it became a little tighter, hence Inter making the final. I think there is there are some things happening in the sport where the big money makers are being pulled back. Uh, the Premier League clubs, Real Madrid... Uh, Barcelona, many of these are not spending like they used to. PSG, uh, the savvy clubs are finding ways to not only compete with them, but beat them. And I think that will continue here. Uh, A little bit later in uh, Check Complete, rebranded for your listening pleasure. We'll talk about what's happening in MLS. On the road for match day 33, I'll give you my thoughts on what's happening with Messi, who left early for a game. It's looking a little, I mean, even they won against the worst team in the league. Got to be concerned. Maybe the second worst team in the league. This is the Soccer OG Podcast. It's a thrill to be with you. A lot of ground to cover. A short time to get there. Let's go. I have been watching a lot of soccer, and uh, it's 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 difficult. It's uh it's it is uh it's rewarding, but it's very difficult because there's so much. And just when you think you could take a break, you know, and I'm on the road with Major League Soccer, which I absolutely adore. It was just Salt Lake. A little tip about Salt Lake. So I, I do a lot of the Western cities, and when I get there, I generally get there late on a Friday for a Saturday game. Uh, I, uh, I'll, I'll get into town and, you know, the downtown areas where the hotels are most of the time, everything's closed. So you may not get a bite to eat or maybe a little nightcap. Salt Lake, which has long been known as the place where, you know, closes early. You need to get a sponsor to have a drink or what have you. It's the one place, there's a place right across from a hotel where you can get a, a really good meal. Maybe a little, you know, you know a beer or something. I mean, it's, it never fails. So Salt Lake City, I mean, you probably don't need me to tell it. Upcoming city, lots of cranes going on there. A lot of building. They were redoing the whole major street when I was there. They laying pipes. So uh, big things happening in that community. Uh, my broadcast partner, Brian Dunseth, calls it home. He's been saying that for years. He was right. Look forward to getting there in the winter where I can bust out my skis. I swear I saw some people dragging skis at the airport. I swear I saw it. I said, are those golf clubs? I go, no, they're skis. I don't know where they're skiing. There ain't no snow up there. But maybe they're just starting to hoard skis. So we'll get. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about MLS and what's happening uh, in uh, Check Complete. Uh, we'll have a, a lengthy conversation with Zach Lowy. So we, we, I brought him to talk about Champions League. And as I, I, I've 
brought up so many times on the show uh, to talk about these young voices and how they are creating content and how they're getting their message across and how they are balancing their time and not only being in many ways on air with these things, but being a, an executive producer and an editor and all the things that are required. So if you're you know looking to get into the business, Zach's a good guy to kind of listen to what he is doing. Uh, talk about betting because betting is just big and soccer, you know, that's what's going to take soccer from good to huge in this country because we've seen that with other sports. So we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit. And then the Champions League, uh, which is a really good start. Uh, we had some great, we had this incredible finish from Real Madrid, the Lazio goalkeeper Provenal, or I think his name escapes me with this incredible last gasp goal. So uh, we'll break it down. I know it's early match day one, but we are, we're off and running and we're going to enjoy that. So as I was saying, I talk, I watch a lot of soccer and uh, the Rugby World Cup is going on and I'm a, a rugby player. I played for a long time and uh, so I'm tuning into those games. It's a weird format, right? Because there's only 20 teams. So there's four groups of five and in rugby, they really need these players to recharge after a demanding game of hitting and being hit. You know, soccer is very demanding, but you're not getting smashed by these 300 pound dudes you need a week to recover. So they can't have guy teams playing every three, four days. So it gets spread out a lot, which uh, affects the viewing um, uh, enjoyment. You, you know, you'll watch games Saturday, Sunday, you're all hyped, and there's no game Monday, no game Tuesday, no game Wednesday. Um, there's also a lot of poor teams. You know, rugby, un- uh, unfortunately, I mean, it's the fact they have a Rugby World Cup's amazing. But the powerhouse teams, of which there's like seven or eight, you know, you have Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. I guess you could put Argentina there. They've moved up. And then you have England. In the, you have those Southern Hemisphere teams. And then the Northern Hemisphere, you have England, France, Ireland, Wales. Is that it? Who am I? Scotland. Scotland and a little bit off there. And the, the, the winners in the finals are going to be those teams. No one's going to break in. You can't expand to 24 teams because teams 21, 22, 23, and 24 would lose by 150 points to one of those teams. Um, there's bad enough teams like Namibia, you know, and some of these European teams like Romania, they just can't compete. So you can't really grow it. I mean, 16 teams is ideal, but, you know, everyone's growing it. So there's a lot of flaws in the Rugby World Cup, but there's a lot of things that it has that other sports don't, which to me, separate it and make the viewing that much more appealing. I'm going to tell you two big ones and a couple ones because like Chile is playing in their first World Cup. It's very well supported. There's a lot of fans there, more than you would think from Chile. They're filling out a stadium. So there's interest that you can see. More so in the stands because the talent level, if you're not professional and you can't produce players like they do in the countries I mentioned where it's a high level and there's a professional atmosphere, guys are making money. You know, In Chile, they're not. In Romania and Namibia, they're not making it. The United States, we didn't even qualify. We stink. crying out loud. Anyhow, you have that very well supported. There's a beautiful sense in the stands. There's a, uh, you know, the, the sound of the music. It's constant. I mean, at soccer games, you hear music, but there you'll hear the Marseillaise. It's being hosted in France. You'll hear other anthems. You'll hear um, other cultural uh, music within there that is, uh, it's, it really warms the cockles when you listen to it. Then you have the presentation of the indigenous cultures. You have Fiji, New Zealand, Tonga, and Samoa. 
And they are all allowed to do a traditional ceremony, a dance at the beginning. The most famous is the haka by New Zealand. And it is, it's the most spellbinding thing because you, you're sitting there and you hear the anthems and then you get this little bonus and you get a view into that country. You get a goon. It's the, it's the Pacific Island countries, but you get a look into that and what's important to them. And uh, you don't see that in any other sport. And I know it's been going on for a long time, but it's, I, I, I stop what I'm doing to see. Um, you know, I, I support Australia. We're having a rough one. But I stop to see the Hakka uh, when New Zealand does it. The Samoans, the, uh, the, the Cebi or the Chibi, what it's, um, uh, that the, the Fijians do. And the Fijians might, the Fijians might break through, man. This is maybe the best story. They beat Australia. They might be a surprise team in the semis, so we'll see. The, the other thing I wanted to mention about the Rugby World Cup, because this is a, something that has completely sailed in the way we cover in soccer, is the respect to the officials. We don't have respect in soccer. It has gotten so bad that, you know, it, it, it's gotten vile and, you know, that relationship has been, you know, new levels of poor taste. Um, players say yes, sir, and no, sir, and the, the referees are very straightforward. They'll tell you when they made a mistake and go, look, I'll give you leeway, but you got to give me mine. I know there's still headmasters, etc., and, you know, it's not perfect, but it's still nice to see that. So uh, watch some Rugby World Cup. Certainly in a week or so, it's on Peacock. You can watch all the games live. If you have watched the Premier League, you have Peacock, right? So you can check that out. Soccer OG, man. This is gonna, I don't want to make this show too lengthy, but I want to get into this conversation in the business end with Zach Lowy. Stick around for a brief uh, check complete about Messi and MLS. You're listening to the Soccer OG. We're here in the business end, and it was a match day one of the Champions League, and hard not to get excited to talk about it. So I have a gentleman I'm going to bring in. We're going to talk Champions League. We're going to talk a few more topics about what we always like to discuss here on uh, the podcast is uh, the business and um, creating uh, platforms and um, being able to find ways to better serve our soccer audience here. And there's so many great content creators, including Zach Lowy, who's the co-creator of Breaking the Lines. And he's a contributor in so many things as well. And I know I talk about soccer, but I was, some of the things you contribute, is that is that for betting? Is that for sports or soccer betting? Because that is a huge, is that correct? Yeah. So first off, thank you, Max, for the invitation. It's uh, really cool to be doing a podcast with somebody that, you know, I watched on SportsCenter so many years ago. <laughs> you uh, must have been up Center. late at night. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely late nights. Um, but yeah, with regards to betting, um, so I would say that I started uh, working in the betting sector around 2019 uh, with Betcoza, a South African channel. Um, and I was given the opportunity right out of, um, actually, no, while I was still in college, uh, by Carl Lewis, who was really a, a great editor and a mentor, moved on to another project. But uh, he was also the person who who not only gave me the chance to write regularly uh, for Betcoza, uh, not necessarily betting content, but um, but also getting the chance to host my weekly podcast, which is Zach Lowy's European Football Show. Uh, so we've had the chance to you know speak with so many incredible guests like Derek Ray, Thomas Rongen. And I've been doing that since February. Um, as far as other 
as far as other betting networks that I've worked for, yeah, I recently got the chance to start working for BetUS. Um, so yeah, I was really, I was given an amazing chance by Gordon Watson to uh, come on Serie A previews for the upcoming season. And I'm actually going to be doing another one of those on Monday. And uh, very excited to announce that I'll also be writing for them. Uh, so going to be doing a little bit of multi-visual, you know, uh, audiovisual and writing stuff for them. So very excited for that. Um, and recently, I actually was writing for Andy's Bet Club for 18 months. And that was a very, um, you know, enlightening experience because that was the first time that I was actually like really focused on doing betting content. Uh, so, you know, focused on essentially giving my best picks for the Primera Liga. Ooh, the pressure's on. <laughs> and so, you know, just doing, you know, I think that Morrens against Braga is going to be over 2.5 goals and stuff like that. Um, and so I also, you know, wrote about and, and previewed the Portuguese national team during the World Cup. So, yeah, that was a very good experience. But I, I'm very much looking forward to you know, working with BetUS as well as plenty of other platforms this season. And, and that intrigues me. And the reason it does, Zach, is because I am not a gambler. I, <laughs> I maybe once or twice in my life have bet on sports. I understand it. And in a bigger picture, I realize that the ability for soccer to become big in the United States and becoming huge revolves around betting because we've seen it with the, the NFL fantasy football and people and it's just made a, a big product this goliath and i would love for that to happen and I, I i'm sure you would as well you it sounds like you're writing constantly but i'm curious i mean i want to get into the champs but I, when i saw the, the places you wrote for and i know there's some spots where you're, you're doing writing um a sophisticated uh article i'm sure which is read by the betters so they can get a better idea of who to bet for. Is that fair? Yeah. And I mean, look, I, I'm not a huge gambler either. I must say the only time that I can remember doing betting actually was on Monday. I was playing against uh, my friend Carl in pickleball and he bet me uh, after I whooped his butt four times in a row, he bet me <laughs> Uh, a powerball ticket uh what is going <laughs> would, on over there that I, would, that I would beat that that he would beat me and uh, i ended up beating him pretty comfortably like 11 5 and i said i don't want your powerball ticket just give me two bucks in cash uh, yeah so you're but, you're not yeah, this guy no, who's going hey i'm gonna drop 500 here on <laughs> lask to get a point it's a tie liverpool and europa league no, no, no. but people are and yeah, yeah. do i mean how do you do you sense that i mean being able to involved with some of these sites that you know this could be that that breaking point for soccer i, I hope so because I, I i have friends that go look i love watching I, I i i don't know anything about a certain game but let's say i'm looking here olympiakos freiburg are playing in uh was it the conference league uh or or the europa league and they go you know i don't know anything about that but if i have ten dollars riding on that game <laughs> You have my interest. So, I mean, is, is, do you see that breaking through or do you see that process happening now? No, for sure. I mean, it's it's definitely breaking through. I, I think, I don't have the numbers, but, you know, I'd imagine that online gambling is continuing to surge. And look, I, I would just say that obviously there's a limit to everything and people can definitely take it overboard. But uh, I, I do think that in terms of the general football world, you know, I think that we're... Uh, sensing a push towards that kind of thing not not just gambling you know I mean recently actually 
there was a very um a, a very successful uh business called football index as I, you may or may not have yep. recalled and i actually had the chance to write for them and come on uh podcasts for them for a few years and that was basically where people were allowed to uh you know invest in in shares of footballers and you know buy stock in them um and long story short it er turned out to be a ponzi scheme just a complete disaster but that's right i do remember that that's uh the the new platform so rare uh i i don't believe that is a ponzi scheme and i think that's actually i you know i'm not involved in that but i think that that has actually done a good job of kind of tapping into people's uh passion for the game and their their ability to uh make money off it right so I believe the way the game works is you can just essentially, you know, buy cards in players, uh, you know, some pl some players that are obviously going to go up in value. Um, so basically, you know, some people, they they want to exploit their own knowledge and and they they want to nerd out uh, in football, whether that's so rare uh, or, or betting, you know, they want to take advantage of their knowledge as well as their willingness to do research and you know try to make money and um and i i do think that it's a hobby for some it's it's perhaps a little a uh, bit of an unhealthy obsession for others <laughs> but uh but no I, I think that that's going to continue to grow because you know like i said it's you know obviously everybody knows that there are going to be some points in gambling when uh when they're going to lose money but still it's it's the rush that you get that oftentimes uh, cannot be equaled by a lot of other things. Well, maybe we should. And thanks for indulging me here, Zach, because I, I find it interesting because I need to know more about it because I think even for, for all of us that work in this space, uh, having some knowledge about the gambling space where, you know, and, and how to, you know, it, it get people to watch soccer through different means is you know it's a pretty it's a big game changer and and, and look for people who watch as much soccer as you do and i, I will get into it because you're just following your twitter feed it's like europa league champions league mls saudi league we we cover that now to be that's going to be my next question but we watch a lot of we watch a lot of football slash soccer and if anyone could probably make a little money on the side it's us uh, you can stick to your powerball tickets it's nice <laughs> On your pickleball, I I'll, I will stay clear. But you know, the 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 more you know, I know our uh, our colleague Jimmy Conrad, who has been watching some more, and he's been able to give good advice on the gambling side for some of the things he does. So it's there, and it's it's. I think I've always been one to ignore it, but you can't ignore it, and it's going to be it's going to be growing. So we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, that said, with everything that is, you have to cover, and like uh, <laughs> like I said, I go through your timeline. I'll, I'll talk about some of the things. How difficult for someone who is a soccer creator and you said you have the European show and that obviously is going to, you know, a lot of times on the surface, people say, oh, he's going to talk about the Premier League. But you talk about the Portuguese League, the Bundesliga, Bundesliga and that's a lot of work. Uh, how how intimidating is it to, to get knowledgeable and you have to replenish this every week. I go through it and I fail miserably lots of times. I have good weeks and bad weeks. But being able to do it where you have deadlines and have to make this and have really, you know, time, uh, uh, time essential stuff that you have to produce and create. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. It's not easy. But with that being said, I, I do think that it's just such a refreshing experience to be able to sit down 
and watch a game. But uh, this season, one thing that I've actually been trying to do is keep track of every single game that I've watched fully and uh, try to get a sense of how many games I'm watching. Because I, you know, I think that last season I was really focused on watching the pre-made, obviously, uh, as someone who was was constantly writing about that. But, uh, you know, I also watched a bit of the Premier League. But this season, I really wanted to make an effort to try to watch uh, to to diversify my interests a bit more. Um, so, you know, I've definitely been watching a lot more Bundesliga. I've been trying to watch about every single game of Bayer Leverkusen. They're, they've probably been my favorite team to watch this season. But um, Fine yeah. choice, by the way, Zach. A fine yeah. choice. I'm going to talk about Leverkusen in a moment. Yeah. No, no, no. But I, I would just say it's a challenge, but it's a challenge that I relish. Yeah, it's it is uh, me too. I, it just puts a toll on the family life. You know, so my wife's going soccer's on again. I go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I go Liga MX now. I go, just keep watching. And be, before we started recording, I asked Zach. I go, what games did you watch? Well, he goes, I watched some of this, and I go, well, that <laughs> that counts of you watching the whole game because I can tell you this: everyone's out there saying I've watched this and this. There's not enough hours in the day for everyone to watch as much as they're saying. So highlight packages, this and that, it all counts. If you get a little taste of a game in my book, Zach. Oh, for sure. And I mean, for sure, 100%. There are a lot of times where like, I'm not able to watch a game in full, but I will read up on it, research it, um, especially for, you know, Syria, where I, I'm uh, not able to watch every single one of the seven, six <laughs> games that we're previewing. Um, so yeah, no, definitely. But, but I think the experience as well of being able to sit down and uh experience an entire game that's something that's that's so important yeah and i think as well you know too many too often we're seeing almost like the death of that because of of course oh yeah attention spans from this generation you know people going on their phones and whatnot um but i i think that that uh, th- that's all, that's also a reason why I decided to to start doing this list. So it's like I'm not going to give myself credit for games that uh, that that I turn off after the <laughs> come on, dude. The <laughs> match today, but um, but you know, I and and one thing as well that's that's good about you know today is with uh, CBS Golasso Sports, uh, CBS Sports and their Golasso show uh, showing highlights of of all these different matches. You know that that's. That's something that I enjoy watching when I get the chance, being able to kind of flip through all of those at the same time. Yeah, as as do I. It's been on a lot. I mean, I was I was on the road for MLS duty and I had it on my laptop. I'm here at home now, so it's on in the background as as you go through that. I, I you you've brought up Bayer Leverkusen and as we get into the Champions League, this is such an intriguing team. And I kind of caught on board about three about a month ago, and they when it, it was there was a realization that this is a, a special squad. Uh, they had that Bayern game looming. They they were able to tie it, but even up to that, you know, beating uh, I think it was a Munchen Gladbach game, uh, beating Leipzig, so beating really good teams and scoring goals. But it, it's it, there's the discussion whether they can knock Bayern Munich off their perch. Uh, we saw Bayern Munich this weekend. I mean, their defense is is really poor. Uh, so I, you would imagine there'll be an upgrade at some point, but it's not where it needs to be. So I, I think there's a really good shot. I'll get your thoughts about them doing that. They're in the, uh, they are in the Europa League, so they should have a good run there. But the the part that I see, which is so rare, and we saw them combine here, Florian Verts, 
Um, and Victor Boniface, um, they're both, I think, I think Boniface is 21 or Verts is younger. Ezequiel Palacios, who was in that big group of young Argentine midfielders. He is not like a number 10, but he kind of, he can maybe play some of that. I mean, that's a, a you know, a rock star player. Uh, and then, you know, they bought some pieces together, Granite Shaka, namely, uh, it's a it's 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 a team that you you look at and you go yeah they can be successful but it's really fun to watch and, and I, I just tell people I go if you're watching soccer yeah I'll, I'll premier I always click on the Premier League first thing I do Saturday mornings and then I'll, I'll venture with but now I see Leverkusen I got to watch a little bit of them very special team no one hundred percent and look I mean people ask me all the time you know which team do I support I always tell them St Louis City. But um, but in terms of Europe, I think that I'm slowly becoming a Leverkusen fan. I think they're going to be my team to watch. And yeah, so far I, I watched their game against Bayern, their win against Leipzig, and today's match against Hecken. Um, and yeah, I, I just think that um, on the one hand, it's a shame that a team of this quality is not playing in the Champions League. On the other hand, they came par- They came so close to reaching the Europa League final, uh, only to be uh, to to fall to a great Jose Mourinho Roma defensive display, and I think that you could definitely see that from the moment the referee blew the whistle uh, in in Leverkusen against Hacken. You know they were just so determined to get on the ball to win it back in high areas, and they, there's just so much confidence brimming with that team, uh, and and obviously. I think that was definitely reflected uh, in in the Bayern match. You know, that was going to be their biggest test of the season. Bayern knew that they needed to win to take back first place from Leverkusen. Uh, Harry Kane opens the scoring from a corner kick within seven minutes, and you get the sense, you know, Bayern's starting to make things work. Uh, This is going to be a routine, comfortable win. Not so fast. Leverkusen equalized uh, Alex Grimaldo, a player who I've watched so much at Benfica develop into a top-class left-back opening the scoring with a phenomenal free kick uh, remains level for quite some time. And Leverkusen were able to really build into the game. You know, this was by no means, um, uh, you know, dancing on the ropes, right. As they say in boxing, right. They were actually <laughs> uh, creating some high quality chances and uh, Victor Boniface, a player who I've written about a lot, you know, monitored his story, but uh, he wasted quite a few golden chances as did Florian Wirtz. Uh, so they were a bit unlucky. And then, of course, they they concede in the 86th minute to Leon Goretzka. And, you know, the, as the narrative would hold, uh, you know, Bayern going to hold on to win. But Alfonso Davies commits an infantile error on Jonas Hoffman. Leverkusen convert from Ezekiel Palacios. Um, so I think that there's just so many things to like about this Leverkusen side. There's that grit, that never-say-die attitude. Uh, and there's that, you know, mix uh, and, and kind of that new look feel because uh, Leverkusen, obviously, they, they sold Musa Diaby to Aston Villa, um, but but they were able to bring in so many quality players, so many experienced players like Grimaldo, like Hoffman, a regular in the Bundesliga, like Granit Xhaka, who has yeah. just been absolutely spectacular. And just I what think- they needed. Just what they needed yeah. in the middle of the park. Just what they needed, exactly. And to see his partnership, I mean, in the case with uh, Bayern, it was Robert Andrik who had been complaining about not playing much under Alonso. Alonso said, to his credit, you know, I I don't want players who are going to be comfortable with sitting on the bench. 
Andrik still got subbed off and Palacios, of course, stepping up with a huge goal. Uh, he's an absolute joy to watch Palacios. I've gotten the chance to see him kind of a, a deep lying playmaker who's just so skilled at maneuvering out of pressure and winning the ball. Um, and, you know, I also just love that international vibe about the team. You know, you've got yeah, guys like exactly Daniel from Ecuador. Uh, you've got, of course, German veterans like Jonathan Ta and Hoffman. You've got Kusunu from the Ivory Coast. Edmund Tapsova, a player who I'd be, I've been monitoring since he was at Vitoria de Guimaraes. Um, you know, it, it's a very interesting setup. And you have these these fullbacks who are so comfortable at, at getting forward. Frimpong and Grimaldo, you know, I think that's going to be one of the best wingback duos in all of Europe this season. Um, and then, of course, up top, Florian Wertz. Uh, you know, one of the quickest recoveries that I've seen from uh, an ACL injury in quite some time. He, he barely took any time to adapt. Just a world-class talent. Uh, Nathan Tella got his first start today and uh, looked very lively. I know there's been a lot of excitement after he led Burnley to the championship title. Right. Got a lot of other players who are going to try to step up to fill Diaby's void, like Amin Adli. And, of course, Victor Boniface, I mean, what a story he's had to, you know, combat uh, depression after his mother died, after a uh, second uh, ACL injury to, you know, making a name for himself in Scandinavia, then finishing as the joint top scorer in the Europa League, and now just absolutely lights out in the opening weeks. Off and running again. Yeah, yeah. And I genuinely think that he has what it takes to be a one of the best center forwards in the world football. So, you know, the last thing I'll say about this Honestly, it's been almost like an emotional experience because like five, six years ago, um, the Bundesliga was the league that I watched the most out of any league, out of the Premier League, La Liga, you know, I was enamored by it. But just the past few years and just seeing Bayern dominate, seeing Borussia Dortmund bottle so many times, it was just really disheartening. And, you know, but, but to see this Leverkusen team go about its business and play like they are the defending champions play with such confidence and excitement and this amazing blend of youth and experience you know i i just absolutely love to see it so i'm going to continue uh, to monitor their progress i think they're definitely going to make a genuine push for the, for the europa league and yeah for a team that has been a uh, a european heavyweight but has won precious little in the past few decades i think this could be a historic season for them. I, I, mean, I remember covering Bayer Leverkusen. You know, this is when I first started in the early nineties at Ulf Kirsten, uh, Frankie Haydick was playing for them for a hot a minute. I, I was just drawn in, but they were, you know, they were competing. Bayern didn't have a, a, a stranglehold over the Bundesliga as they do now. And that is so essential because, you know, it's been, it's made the Bundesliga for, because of the success of a club, a bit of a punching bag. And people say, I, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to contribute time there because I know what's going to happen, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, but that said, they, they there is there's some validity to it because at the end of the year, Bayern Munich win it. Last year in particular, where it felt like it was finally going to happen, Bayern Munich won it. So uh, the league feels snake bin. I think the best thing for everyone in that league, even Bayern in many ways, is for someone else to win it. So we'll see it. Um one thing about Bayer Leverkusen, I love what you said, is the international makeup. Nothing makes me light up more than when I see, when they do the lineup cards, and you see seven or eight different flags. And Bayer Leverkusen is right there. And it's different continents, too. You know, 
obviously European players, South American players, African players, Asian players. It's got a little bit of everything there. And it's, uh, it, it makes me think, you know, about how the coaches have to react and bring these players together. Cause they are, they're very, very different, all their backgrounds. And you've got to find those similar wavelengths to make them work. Um, this is a more, is an international game. So that's the reality, but the clubs that make those work, where some pieces that you figure, you know, a young German wunderkind and an Argentine deep line midfielder and a Nigerian striker where it just fits nicely. It always puts a smile on the, my face. And I wanted to say this because I always talk about the expansion of the World Cup. I want Nigeria in a World <laughs> Cup more than anything. And I don't know if they qualify for a 32 team because African qualifying is hard and they haven't been there in a minute. But you look at the strikers and you mentioned Victor Boniface. Obviously, there's Victor Osiman. Uh, Taiwa Oinoi, Awanoi, who plays at Nottingham Forest, uh, Terem Mafi, who's been scoring goals at Nice, Igalo, who was at was at Leicester, now he's at uh, in Saudi Arabia. I mean, it's like eight top tier number nines that four or five could play for almost any country except for that very top tier. It's insane. So it's frustrating because I'd love to see that. I'd love to see these players get that shot at a, a at excelling in a World Cup. Just to go on a bit of a sidebar from Leverkusen to Nigerian football. No, 100%. I mean, it's something that I've been saying for a while that there is no country that has the striker depth of Nigeria. I mean, I don't know how it's it, crazy. It you could genuinely assemble a Champions League winning team of 11 strikers. I mean, a bony face, just incredible start to the season for Leverkusen. Taiwo Awonyi, so crucial in digging Forrest out of that relegation fight and a great start to the season. Uh, Boniface, is, Boniface, as great as he's been, he's probably top third option, probably fourth on the pecking order now, or fifth? It's, I don't know. I, I think Boniface, it's really tough to say. I feel like Boniface, for me, he has as high of a ceiling sure. as Pussyman. Because he's just a pure entertainer. Like, I remember seeing this in his uh, debut where he like goes to looks like he's going to pass it with his right and he uh hits it with his left in the same action and it's like this guy does not just want to score goals he wants to also just entertain and that's what I love about him so I don't know I think I think Boniface is definitely in that conversation but I mean uh Ikalo I think is, is out of that uh you know he, yeah. he's watched he's on the back end Gift Orban having a really good start the season for Ghent and I think it's only a matter of time before he gets uh, to a big move. Um, but another player who, you know, we recently published an article on Orban. An another player who we've got coming up uh, on breaking the lines uh, is Aker Adams, who uh, joined Montpellier from Lillestrom and I believe has three goals so far in Ligue 1. So he's another player to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, it it's ridiculous the amount of talent and unfortunately the, the biggest uh question though is how are they going to find that balance going into afghan going into the world cup in in a few years right do they have that uh that 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 ability to get a solid defense a solid midfield right where are you going to plug in the likes of alex iwobi uh indeed you know can you find that balance um but i i think that honestly the question is slowly becoming no longer does Nigeria have the best striker depth in the world and does Nigeria have the best striker depth in like the the history of football honestly right. I mean, you look at the 10 like seven uh players who are who are in that forward line it's just incredible like and that's why 
okay, obviously it wasn't, it probably wasn't a huge option for him, but uh, if Fuller and Balogun even considered switching over to Nigeria, you just have to look over his shoulder, see Osimhen, Awonyi, all these amazing players, and think, nah, it's not worth it. I've got to go. <laughs> if you if you have a dual national uh, nationality, then uh, you have to. If you're a Nigerian striker, don't even don't even pursue it. We should do a Nigerian striker uh, uh, power rankings back moving forward it'll be it'll be it'll be really time well spent because you're gonna have to really do your homework because there's so many options but uh it's uh i think that there are like at least five or six nigerian strikers who would be starting for you know the likes of germany yeah uh, Italy, you know, so many top european nations it's insane it's uh it's it would be it would be a crime if we didn't have Nigeria in the World Cup for that reason because they'd be so entertaining. As you, I love what you said, Vonaface. He's a great entertainer like Aussie men. Those guys are there. And you also said it was a shame Leverkusen wasn't in the Champions League because I think they could do some damage there. We got first match day under our belts. Um, and there were some really good performances. Uh obviously, uh you know, some teams were able to not many were able to cruise through with the results. I mean, Barcelona, I think, was uh, and Arsenal were the two that were able to do it. Other than that, you know, there were some flaws in teams. And, you know, I know I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but you look at that group of teams that you would consider favorite, uh, Bayern and Manchester United, I guess, to a lesser degree, you know, in a shootout four to three. And uh, seeing how Bayern's been, they don't look as good as there. I mean, that would be a top line favorite. I don't know if I would be comfortable saying, if someone asked me who do you think is going to win it, I wouldn't be able to say Bayern. I would like to say Arsenal, although I mean they're just new to this, and you know they're gonna they're gonna be pushed because they've never had a campaign with these two major competitions and in their pursuit to win a Premier League title. So I don't know if I'd say them. Uh, Real Madrid are do not ex- is they 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 get a result, um, but they were pressed by Union Berlin. I would I would probably put Real Madrid as a pick, but I'd be hesitant. Napoli had a great run. I'm, I don't know if they're the same team as they were. I think people have caught up on them. Uh, and then the, the list kind of goes on, that Group F with PSG, Milan, which could go any direction. I mean, I've heard everyone saying anyone could finish first or last in that group. Although it was nice to see PSG come out and get a good win. But I, I Man City. I mean, Man City struggled against Red Star, and but they've struggled a little bit in the Premier League, even though they're getting results. I, I, I would, I'd feel comfortable saying that. That said... Uh, that ruling group of teams, which normally you would say it's going to be one of these five teams, maybe a little more reluctant. And I'd also say like what I saw from the Serie A last year, in particular with Inter and Milan and Napoli, is finding talent that's not going to cost them $50 million that can compete against the champions, the big, the heavyweights. And I think I would imagine more clubs are catching on to that and saying we can compete if we nail it with our scouting and our 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 recruiting and our our coaching hires um we don't have to spend a billion dollars and we've seen like the, the likes of Chelsea they're not even in here uh that or Liverpool's on the Champions League but these big spending Premier League teams may be coming down to earth so I feel there's a shift there and it's it's I, I it's buoyed by a real creative push in the space for finding that next talent I think Napoli with a uh, uh, Cabacelia uh, and uh, Ossiman's a perfect example. Guys that were available and they found two guys that they could put out there and compete. Uh, is there a shift or is it do you, is there a team or two that you'd feel comfortable saying they're going to win it? I'd, I'd feel safe. 
like it, to, to tell the betters, obviously, <laughs> one of those sites. Yeah, you'll feel good picking this team. Or is that is is it changing? No, definitely. I, I don't know if there's a single team I'd consider as the favorites. Obviously, Manchester City uh, yet to drop points in all competitions, right? Got themselves a big win. And they know that even though uh, Holland isn't necessarily in his best form, they've still got so much quality. We saw Julian Alvarez, Jeremy Doku stepping up big time in recent matches. So I do think they have to be considered the favorites. And Carlo Ancelotti has admitted as such. With regards to Real Madrid, yeah, you know, I was watching their match against Union. And um, I just think that obviously Real are Real. They never quit and they never stop creating their chances. We've seen that in multiple games uh, this season, multiple games where Jude Bellingham has stepped up and pulled out uh, magic out of a hat. Of course, he got a little lucky, but uh, as they say, you you got to create your own luck. you got to anticipate where the ball is going to bounce. And we saw him take advantage after Federico Valverde's uh, shot but uh, I, I'm a bit concerned about Real, I'll be honest. I think that um, Kepa Arisa Balaga for Thibaut Courtois is a significant downgrade. For me, I, I just don't think he's a top-level goalkeeper. I remember, I think at the uh, fifth-minute mark, maybe, there was this bouncing ball where like, it looked clear that Kepa was going to come out and collect it. Instead, he, he came out and then retreated. And then the the defenders who you know had assumed he was going to come out, they they had to deal with it. But uh, if Union's players had been a little quicker, they would have reacted and got a shot off. But I also think that you know maybe even more of a significant downgrade is Jose Lu for Karim Benzema. You know, not a bad player by any means, but does he provide uh, that same amount of technical ability and uh, and hold up play that Benzema did? Obviously, very good in the air and uh, has, has done well on occasions, but I'm just not sure if they get the balance right. And the, so, because honestly, they looked a little, uh, they, they looked a little frail against Union, didn't didn't uh, concede too many high quality chances, but just, I think in terms of failing to break down your deep block, uh, that, that's something that's going to need to change. But of course, they've got a, a, quite a few high profile absences um, with regards to Napoli, I don't think that they get past uh, the quarterfinals. I, I've been kind of skeptical on them, having watched quite a few of their games this season. And, you know, I just think that uh, Rudy Garcia for Spalletti, for me, that's a downgrade. And I think that he's a bit too defensive for what Napoli need to exploit. And we saw that almost cost them against Braga, right, going ahead. But... Um, ultimately retreating to a defensive 5-4-1 setup, allowing Braga to get back into into the control of the game and uh, equalizing, and they, they would have held on for a point had it not been for one of the most comical own goals I've seen in the Champions League for quite some time. But uh, no, I think that they've got an, a brilliant attack but and a very good midfield, but I just think their defense, I'm a bit concerned, right? Kim Min-jae, Best defender in Serie A. They yeah. replaced him with Natan from Bragantino, who looks like he's fourth choice right now behind Ostergaard, Ramani, and Juan Jesus. Um, so I think that that's going to be that that's going to be a big loss for them, not just in terms of his pace and physicality, but also his ability to dribble forward, exploit uh, the press, and and carry the ball up the pitch. 
Um, but I think that out of all the Italian teams that are in this, I think Inter have a very good shot. Uh, obviously, had a great performance against Milan at the weekend, blew everybody away in terms of their quality, and uh, were able to muster a point against yeah. Lateral. I like uh, I like what they did against Sociedad, kind of getting back in there when it looked like it was lost. Yeah. Uh, I I have faith in Inter. I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Inter, I, I would say, and apart from them, um, I would say as well. I know they're not in a great moment right now, but I, I don't think, I don't think you write off Atletico. I think that they have something. I think they could be a potential dark horse. Obviously, not fashionable to say that after after coming off a three nothing loss to Valencia and a draw to Lazio, but um. I think that they've, they've got to step up big time, obviously coming off that fourth place finish last season in the group. But they've, in general, been playing some pretty good football under Simeone. And I think that, you know, a strong defensive core plus the talents of of Antoine Griezmann going forward, uh, I think that could potentially give them uh, a platform to make a deep run. But, uh, yeah, not not a great week for Los Oroji Blancos. Wow. Very thorough, Zach. I mean, we had a... Yeah, it'll cover, but this is, I mean, I, I think uh, there's going to be an interesting makeup of round of 16 teams. I don't think there's going to be a club Bruges from a, a team from outside <laughs> the bigger leagues making it, but it's going to be interesting mix up from the major leagues, you know, you know, uh, uh, um, counting not just the Premier League, obviously, in La Liga, but the Bundesliga, the French League, uh, the Portuguese League, which I, I wanted to talk to you about. They have three teams in there, and I think Braga is obviously kicking themselves. I was really... Uh, I, I was drawn in to see them during their qualifying and how well they were playing. And, you know, we're always told about Portuguese football. It's, it's the big three. And then there's, you know, with the, that, those big three clubs have such an interesting history, Benfica, Porto and sporting. And I, I believe there's contracts where one player who played for one can't sign for the others, but you know, those big three kind of call all the shots to, so to see Braga come in and come in and become that next big club and push these teams, you know, sporting is not in there. Uh, Benfica and Porto are um, is is exciting for that league because you know having big a big three is good. I mean it's it's almost better than you know Spain struggles to have a big three at times, but to have that big three uh, is is impressive in its own right. But to have that fourth team, uh, we had that great run from Benfica a year ago, which I I I was disappointed. I thought it'd go a little further. Uh, just kind of got caught. Had a bad day, which happens. A lot of clubs, you know, Napoli had a bad day in 2020, uh, in 2023, 2022, 23. That's what happens. But uh, three Portuguese teams here. How do you see their prospects? Because I know this is one that's near and dear to you. I'm becoming a bigger fan and paying more attention to. Disappointed by that Braga result because I think that's that's one that they're gonna they're gonna it's gonna they're gonna kick themselves over. Maybe Benfica not as good, but and Porto somewhere in there as well. How do you view their prospects? Yeah, I mean, a special tournament for sure, for many reasons. I believe the last year that uh, Portugal is going to have three Champions League teams due to the coefficients changing and Eredivis surpassing them. And another reason, I mean, this is the last year of the group stage format, but it's also, it's, this is going to be a season where so many fan bases remember it as being their first Champions League season. Right, Royal Antwerp, first time since 1958. Union Berlin, first time in club history, and uh, Braga, first time in 11 years. So, Lance so as well has been. I mean, Lance hasn't been there. First time in 21 years. Yeah, 
Um, so I'm I'm obviously missing a few, and you of course you have Brighton going there for in in the Europa Conference League, um, Europa League, excuse me. But I, I think that there are so many stories like that, which is just incredible. So I, I think with regards to Braga, and I just had an interview with uh Mateus Magalhaes, who's been the oh, but check it out on check it out, and my guy Zach with fluent Portuguese <laughs> handling that interview. Great work. Thank you. Yeah, and and that was just a few days before his Champions League debut. Um, so we spoke about a lot of different stuff, such as his religion, his family, um, but also just reaching the Champions League. And I think that Braga, it's it's been a very interesting few years for them because they've really been a perennial Europa League side. You know, they've been consistently uh fourth place. Like <laughs> if there's one thing, <laughs> that's if, they, one if there wasn't for Sevilla, play, that'd be their tournament. If there was one solid piece of advice you could give to gamblers, it's like put money on Braga to finish fourth. They were essentially like what Arsenal were in the final. Hey, just to be clear, because there are gamblers listening, they're in the Champions League, so don't put money on them now. <laughs> they're back in the Europa League, you put money on them. All right, don't yeah. come back at Zach because he made it just in case you missed that part. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so 2022, they had their best run in quite a few years, getting all the way to the quarterfinals only to lose an extra time to Rangers. Um, a few days after that, Mateus re- renews his contract at Braga until 2027. So that is, you know, the definition of trust the process. And, you know, there are a lot of links of, of, of that, you know, he was going to go to Nottingham Forest or another club. He stayed put at Braga, led them to, uh, you know, over two opponents, uh, beating Panathinaikos to secure a return after 11 years and uh, so, so such a special moment for them as a club. Um, and I, I think that they, they are going to make the most of it. I think obviously they were a bit unlucky against Napoli, but uh, I think they'll definitely come away with a lot of positives. Um, but with that being said, uh, I do have my concerns for Braga. I think that they actually every single league game and of course every single uh, Champions League group stage match, they've, they've been trailing uh bad habit that's a bad habit not a great habit you know and they won against Moderance in the 96th minute and they just got thrashed uh 4-1 I believe by a newly promoted side Farench so they need to improve uh, drastically in terms of defense but uh yeah I, I like Braga's chances I think that they are going to obviously they need to keep things solid at the back but I think they've got very good uh attack and you know Ricardo Horta he's the captain he's somebody who's their, their top scorer had a lot of good chances against Napoli that I needed to do a better job of, but uh, I think Braga are not going to be pushovers, and I think I don't think so. I, like, yeah. I think but, I mean too many people. A lot of people are putting them fourth, which I don't have an issue with. You know, it's their first time in a while, but like I think they've got something for Napoli again, or as well as Union and Real. Well, I mean, I, I think they can they can certainly finish ahead of Union Berlin, but Real Madrid, Napoli, I mean, they, they had that chance against Napoli there at home and uh, losing that home fixture is not going to bode well, but you know, third, I think is certainly an offer. And then they can get back into the Europa league and follow your gambling uh, uh, advice for our, our listeners here, which would be great. <laughs> I, and it's funny because last season, actually they were both in both the Europa league and the Europa conference league. Ah, I and, see they're yeah, spreading themselves yeah. thin. And, and now they're they're back in the Champions League. So I think Braga, look, they, they, what they've been trying to do is tell the world that Portuguese football has a big four and not a big three. And that's difficult when uh, only two teams outside 
of the big three have won the title. Bell and Ench in 1945, Boavista in 2001, who are currently atop the league table, crazily enough. But um, I think that Braga, it, it's little things, right? Like getting back into the Champions League and uh, being competitive. And we saw them beat, uh, you know, Benfica and Porto and, and Sporting on multiple occasions over the past few years. Uh, we saw them reach the cup final last season, as well as, you know, inaugurating their new uh Cidad Desportiva which is like their sporting community and just like a completely upgraded uh uh way of living for the players who are at the club um so Mateus also talked about that how everybody called the president crazy doing that in the middle of the pandemic but uh he had his vision and he saw to it so his vision right now is to implement Braga as a top four team it's got to be a, a change of mentality right I think that we saw that just a glimmer of hope for them actually challenge for, challenging for the title last uh, last season. And uh, they, they faced off against Benfica with, I believe, a six-point gap. And they kind of just, they, they, they hid behind the ball. They didn't want possession. And they completely uh, shat the pants, shat their pants. That's the, uh, <laughs> not a word, the, man. It's not a word. Uh, but um they they were completely that, that was an occasion where i think that mentality kind of that lack of experience in a title fight definitely uh shown through so it's all about experience for these players and i think that from the 15 players who played against napoli 12 of them were making their champions league debut yeah. including Mateus. um but yeah that's <laughs> a good that's a good team maybe shat should be a word well we'll push i'll push <laughs> the folks at the dictionaries uh to do that um I want to do a deeper dive on Portuguese soccer. I feel that my aptitude has been better. I know several months ago, I saw the Luis Figo documentary and I was completely hooked. I started Paulo Futre when he was talking (laughs) and I I remembered him from his playing days. And I started doing some reach on him. I go, this guy is insane. It's so interesting. And watching him on YouTube and realizing for a guy who bounced around so much. So I want to learn more. So maybe we could do a a Portuguese soccer show down the road, Zach, which would be pretty cool. Uh, By the Ricardo Horde, which... Because I want to, as as we part ways, because I want to talk a quick question about St. Louis City. Um, But he was rumored to come to an MLS club. I know Andre Horta was with LAFC for a bit, but Ricardo Horta, there was a talk and then it didn't happen. But it was going to be a huge move. Right. I think, was it Nashville? I I think it was Philly or one of those teams. I'll I'll do it. He was also linked to uh, Benfica last summer. And there was a huge saga. And after he finally stayed after the deadline day, Braga posted a video with um with with uh Horta's face transfixed on Leonardo DiCaprio from the scene at Wolf of Wall Street and they're like I'm not leave it <laughs> the show goes on and so that was that was pretty funny but uh yeah like I said I mean Braga they've also been able to bring in some experienced players like Joao Moutinho Jose Font two Euro winners uh keep hold of key players like Mateus and Almusrati um but yeah with regards to Horta He's the the top scorer, and I I can't remember him being linked to many other clubs besides Benfica. But uh, it's very good, obviously, that they've kept hold of him. You were closer than I was. It was Atlanta United, and that video because oh, right. I just pulled oh, it up. That video was kind of directed at them because I'm not effing leaving. Uh, I'm not going to Atlanta and playing on turf. I'm happy here. It was a good decision because now he's playing Champions League football. Yeah. Uh, you you briefly, uh, Forza, I believe one of two players from Portugal's World Cup squad that has not played for any of the big three i know that he was at benfica's academy for a few years i believe but um 
but him and Rafael Guerrero, I believe the only two players from Portugal's World Cup squad that had not played for Benfica, Porto, or Sporting. Really interesting. Again, the Portuguese soccer, I I, I feel like I need to, I barely scratched the surface. I got to get going. Uh, you write for St. Louis City. And for all, for this very sophisticated conversation you have, I've had a chance to call three games at St. Louis City. Those folks treat me so well. Uh, they are serious about this club. And it, it, they do an absolute first-class effort across the board from Lutz on down. So I will not say anything disparaging about St. Louis City. I have a game, I think, decision day there. I am so pumped for that again. It is a magical place, and they're they're going to finish first in the West. I mean, it was – What is it? how has it been for you? To, obviously, these had to blow away all expectations. You're covering a team week to week, and it's this St. Louis City team that uh have defied the odds you know it's crazy too zach when i talk to other coaches about playing them they're like oh yeah that's you know most i don't know how these players want to play this style and i get it it's very taxing but they have a spirit and they're playing it and they're winning and they're scoring a ton of goals along the way it's got to be a fun it's got to be a fun follow no for sure and i mean it's been just a magical experience being able to cover it you know as somebody who was writing for st louis for like you know over a year before they started their MLS journey I just had so much excitement you know getting the chance to do so many incredible things like interview Roman Berkey uh, as well as Lute Fannenstiel and so many other people from from their goalkeeping coach to their youth coach um, to all of these players as, as well as getting the chance to write uh, an interview on on uh, Bradley Carnell as they were in the process of publishing their announcement uh that was a pretty crazy experience so yeah being able to watch their mls opener against austin like that was just such an incredible experience i remember i was watching it with my mom and uh, fiance and we were just so like you know going through the emotions and just a complete roller coaster but to pull off that win uh with i believe it was joao klaus scoring the, oh yeah uh, late winner um, you know, it, it's it's something that sticks with you, right? And we've seen that throughout the season, these players, uh, even with, with injuries, right? I know that Klaus was out for a few weeks, um, but for for these players to just kind of channel that energy and and express the tactical DNA of Carnell, uh it, it's it really speaks volumes about their vision because you know, and, and I, I'm not I'm not I'm definitely not as well versed in MLS as you are but one thing that I've seen a lot is a lot of teams like they will they will spend uh big on on all of these big name players and struggle to even make the playoffs and like St. Louis have Toronto FC there you go worst team in the league and they've done the absolute opposite of it I mean their DP was uh Borussia Dortmund's goalkeeper who was obviously a veteran and long uh, main a mainstay for them but had spent the past year on the bench and he's been fantastic for them uh and and you know so many other uh examples such as Edward Lewin yeah. for one of the best players in all of MLS this season um so it's you know it's clearly not about having the biggest names it's about having players who are going to follow and execute this plan and it's clear and so i think that speaks volumes to carnell's tactics speaks volumes about um about the importance of communication because that's one thing that certainly stood out in my conversation with him you know he wants players who are going to be fighting for every ball who are going to execute the plan no matter what the formation is 
who are going to make themselves a nightmare to to deal with from an opposition standpoint. Uh, and, and that's what they've become. You know, they're relentless. They're a team that is just full of energy. And it's been a joy to be able to watch them. So and another thing I will say, it's definitely indicated that football is just becoming such a so much of a global game, you know? And, I mean, we, we see that with Tottenham, with their Australian manager, Ange Postecoglou. Oh, could be a game, a, a game changer to have an Australian guy who was only experienced in Australian football and, go, and to, to get the Spurs job. Always you got Celtic. It's exciting because I think it, it'll afford opportunities to an American coach or guys like that. Sorry to interrupt you, Zach. But no, no, no. Just, and I mean, it, it's it's a similar thing with, with St. Louis, right? Because... I mean, they also have a, a South African midfielder and a South African manager, right? They have talent from all over. And I think that it's just something that obviously I've just been so proud to experience because, um, you know, I, I I had the chance to go to quite a few Saint, uh, quite a few DC games growing up. Um, and, and that was obviously a lot of fun, but I never quite like felt the way about DC that I I feel about St. Louis because I just think that it you know I I supported DC because they were my local team. <laughs> I don't really have any great memories of them being uh, amazing. I know they have what like four. Yeah, you're too young. You're too young to have seen the good years. <laughs> I was definitely, I was definitely in in that in that old building which uh, uh, Jaime Moreno and all those dudes, but um, but I. I think that St. Louis, I, I feel like I'm part of the family there Um, for them to give me the opportunities that they have on it. Someone just fresh out of college and uh, so many chances to to interview uh, so many people in the in that organization and write about a lot of interesting topics. I, I have an upcoming article on Gam and Tam, but uh, yeah, they're an amazing club. You, you can sense that that community lives and breathes uh, sports, but specifically football. And of course, you know, they've, they haven't had too many professional teams recently. So to have a team and have a team that's, you know, clearly playing for the fans, it just, it's, it's absolutely fantastic for that city. You've piqued my interest. You have an article coming out about Gam and Tam. Thank you, Zach. <laughs> I'll be looking out for that. Uh, but I, I will say this. It, it's great to see because people, even this, in, especially in the United States or North America who cover European soccer and they may not have time for MLS, but I saw you light up when you thought about that St. Louis-Austin game. And that's what it's all about. And you said, I, I follow my local team. I think that's important uh, for everyone involved in the in the sports here. Even if your intentions are to cover Manchester United or the city, uh, to, to be here and to have that is something very special. I'm glad you were able to find that with St. Louis City. Zach Lowy. Uh, great chatting with you, man. I, I'm a little, I'm a little, this old dog's a little smarter on the world stage thanks to the, the time with you. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure, Max. And uh, yeah, we definitely need to have that. The Portuguese. Special. But um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing with MLS. It's always <laughs> amazing to be able to chat with you. Hopefully the first of many conversations. But um, yeah, this was an amazing time. And uh, I really hope to be on again soon. Oh, fantastic. Look out for our Portuguese soccer football uh, breakdown coming up soon. That is uh, Zach Lowy here in the business. And we're coming back with Check Complete. Talk about what happened in uh, Major League Soccer this weekend. What's going to happen with Inter-Miami as they approach their stretch run? That's next. Time now for Check Complete. We will keep it brief because we went a little long with Zach's interview, but I, I, I hope you'll appreciate that. I certainly did. And uh, we're now in 
Match day 33 of Major League Soccer. Much has been made about the playoff expansion. To me, it, and I'm a broadcaster, so I ain't going to complain. Uh, these are extra games. So, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean, Jelly Bean? So uh, I'm happy about it. But look, I mean, I, I, there's stakes in these games. You know, we had 14 games on the midweek. I just got out of a plane from Salt Lake, headed back to Dallas. And every game, I think every game had some sort of stakes in it. It's still early. So, I mean, it's most of these teams are going to be in it till the end. So uh, some will fall off the back heel. I mean, maybe we, we're watching the back wheel, I should say. Uh, an expanded playoff, which could serve a few things. In, in addition to getting Lionel Messi and Miami in the playoffs, if you look at the Eastern standings, they can't catch seventh place. So nine teams make the playoffs. Top four get uh, home field advantage in the quarterfinals. And then eight and nine play in a wild card game, essentially, to get to play the top seed. Really, Messi's best hopes is to finish eighth or ninth. Can't finish seventh. They're too far out. I don't think they're going to make it uh, again as we, you know, this is a big story. And again, I, I want to, it's been, it's been thrilling to have him in this league. He has changed the complexion. He has got so many eyeballs. The numbers are going um, tr- doubling, tripling, quadrupling that you would have thought you would have had on Apple TV. Uh, we've mentioned what it's done for the inner Miami um, social media handles. Again, we, it's got to be careful to do that. This helps lift all ships because we also got to remember you have Messi for two more years. And if he doesn't make the playoffs here, then you're going to be like, whoa, okay, now we're really on the clock. And then there's going to be life after Messi. I mean, he may sign for another extension there. I mean, he's going to be up there at 37, 38. I, I, you know, we've seen images of him uh, spending time with his kids. He looks happy and maybe he wants to pivot there. That seems like the, uh, um, the natural progression, you know, at 37, 38, you know, not many people play that late. So um, it's... The pressure is on. So as it stands, they did beat Toronto, who are the worst team in the East, one of the two worst teams in MLS. They are at 31 points. Um, ninth place is 36. They have two games in hand. So f- it's doable. But they have um, a couple tough ones at Orlando. And then they have the Open Cup. They have New York City. And then they travel Chicago. And then they have Cincinnati. They have to win most of their games. They have some road games sprinkled in there. Um, they're not going to win it. And now, you know, the game against Toronto, we, you know, we made fun of Wayne Rooney when he said playing in Major League Soccer is hard and Lionel Messi and Busquets and all that made it look easy. Busquets has been great. I don't think he's missed anything. But it's hard. And the fatigue, according to Inter Miami, kind of hit these players as both Jordi Alba and Lionel Messi out of the game before halftime. Uh, Alba leaving in the 34th minute, Messi in the 37th. Uh, now we're being told they're not going to play against Orlando. They're not going to beat Orlando because it's going to be tough to beat these teams a second time. So uh, it's that is compelling to me, right? To see Messi trying to get the postseason. If they made that eight nine playoff game, it would be remarkable. You know, it would be this one off game that everyone would see with the playoff hopes in place for Messi. So that would be really good for the league. Now I said the the league uh, has to. Find a way to raise uh, the tide for everyone here and coverage it. Because I had some folks who were tuned in and they said they didn't, when LAFC played the Galaxy last week and they're like, I didn't even know the game was going on. Because if you go to Apple, MLS season pass, it's, it's all messy. Um, 
So how do we get that messaging? There's a lot of different ways. I think that's going to be a big think tank for the league to go, how do we get these messy games and lift our league? Uh, you know, I threw out an idea that they're not going to do this, but what if you played Miami games on Friday and you promote the weekend after that so you can get the hook into people via Messi? But Miami's not going to want to play Friday games all the time. They're not going to do that. But that's just something <clears throat> of the ideas that you could possibly throw out. In the meantime, with Messi, I mean, <clears throat> some of the coverage, I mean, there was an interview now and they're talking about how he's well endowed. I was watching, and then there's, I mean, we get these interviews and this is what it's about. And then the, the endless talk about this pizza that he ate. I mean, I mean, it was endless about this pizza. Everyone talking about it. And if I see a photo of that pizza one more time, I'm going to lose it. But this is, I mean, is this what we want in this? I, I'm curious if that's what we want, because I think that's the presentation we get where it's a lot of um, superficial stuff around soccer, personality driven, which is all good. But the rest of the world, when they consume this sport, it's X's and O's and lineups and chalk talks. It's very uh, heavy-handed in those ways. And I don't know if we're ready for that, but I think as, a, as an American community, we, we're ready for more of it as opposed to all the lifestyle stuff. Uh, is that what American... Because American fans in other sports, they don't, they don't get that. You turn on baseball. Baseball is the most... Uh, analytically driven sport. It's every detail. And Americans eat it up. NFL the same way. But why in soccer we don't deliver that? I've seen that with Messi, which is interesting. Uh, I, to me, the best story is also what's happening on the field. And I think we got to pursue that. There were some uh, images of fans leaving the stadium when my uh, inner Messi went out. I don't want to vilify them because I don't know if they were. It was close enough to halftime. They may have been leaving to get ahead of everyone in the snack line there at DRV Pink Stadium. Uh, I've, I've said in the past, I don't know who is going to be the favorites. I like. I think it's going to come out of the East. Orlando City, Columbus have looked really firm. Uh, Atlanta's going to have a say in it. Philadelphia are the reigning champs. But uh, we'll have this weekend of games, and then we'll really get to know it. We'll be down to the last four or five games. So stick around. I'll give you, I'll give you stories from the road. Soccer OG, rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. Thanks for joining me as always. Appreciate Zach Lowy jumping on. We'll be back again next week. We'll get back into the European leagues. Again, everything is on the table here for discussion in the Soccer OG. Drop a line on my social media accounts, Bretos on Instagram, Max Bretos Sports on Twitter slash X, and let us know what you want to hear about. And who do you want me to get on the show? I got some flexibility here. Until I see you next time. Placido Domingo.